Dan O'Donnell here with Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Time once again for a new episode of The Difference, the intersection of politics and economics. What does what's happening in the world out there impact your bottom line, impact your financial future, impact you? Dave, this week, I think let's take a sort of 30,000 foot view because you've got negotiations ongoing as the clock is ticking down to the debt limit default deadline that we think is in as we record this 10 days from now we're recording this on a monday what is today may 22nd uh we think the deadline is in 10 days, but nobody's quite sure. They, they throw out June 1st, but I have my suspicions that that's not actually the deadline. But you've also got earnings reports that are very strong. You've got people, very serious people, J.P. Morgan Chase predicting a rough recession, but the stock market sort of stubbornly refusing to go along. At the same time, the Federal Reserve has been desperately trying through interest rates hikes to get the unemployment rate up, and it's been unable to do so. So from 30,000 feet, what are things looking like? Yeah, I think there's a really good setup. You think about all of these macroeconomic headwinds, as you just outlined, debt crisis, looming recession, uh, higher inflation, what the Federal Reserve is going to do. And by the way, there is some possibility that they will raise rates again, and the market is not anticipating that. And the reason why we look at all that stuff is because no one's telling the stock market that all of this crap is happening. You know, Apple's up 35% year-to-date. Google's up 30-plus percent year-to-date. Amazon and NVIDIA just rocking and rolling. But you look at those big cap names, and that is really the reason why the U.S. index is up so much year-to-date is because they're large cap stocks. The S&P 500 is cap-weighted, capitalization-weighted. So they're pulling everyone along. So you have to try to find a better part of the of the curve. And where is things less expensive. And you can go to value stocks, you can go to smaller cap stocks, you can go to international or even fixed income. We had a client come in yesterday morning and they talked about where there was an alternative. Well, you can go and we you know we put we use Charles Schwab as a custodian. You can get a, a, a money market fund paying between four and five percent and sit on the sideline and wait for a, a less expensive time. So there is things to do in times like this, but there's no pressure that as we're going into the summer that it's going to be rough waters as we go through up until the second quarter, the third quarter, and into October, there are certainly times that you better know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. You know, as we go into September, typically is, do I have this right? September is the worst month for the stock market. Yep, yeah. Now, October, October, like, talk, you know, they talk about October because of the big events that have happened in October, but sure. September, it generally is up. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, and August is right there too because, you know, all the traders are at the, in the Hamptons. And there is not enough volume, and so all the short traders get control of the market. So August and September could be a rough ride, but we have to look at that. You know, is uh, the the popular axiom, what is it, sell in May and go away, mm -hmm. buy in May and go away? Mm -hmm. Sell in May sell and go in, away. Sell in May and right? go yeah. away. Yeah. Sell in May and go away. Is that still true? Well, you can argue that there is a better quarter in the first quarter and fourth quarter. So you go into the last part of the year, 
the fourth quarter and the first quarter have had historically better returns. But if you try to time it that way and sell everything, when are you going to get back in? And I can tell you so many stories and you know through 08 and 09 and 2020 where people sold trying to time the market and never got back in. And we had a rip roarer in 08 and 09. And of course, that happened again after March of 2020. So trying to time the market is really a fool's errand. There's certainly times to say, okay, as we go into the summer, maybe I can trim back a little bit, go through your portfolio and say, I think that some of these tech stocks maybe have gotten ahead of themselves. You look at the PE ratios of some of these stocks are trading at 50, 60, 70 times. That's expensive. But you look at the entire market, Dan, trading at about 18 times. That's a little above historical norms, about 16 and a half. But you pull out those big tech names and you get underneath that average. And you think about what's the downside. And I think people should think about this in a continuum. At the bottom in October of 2002, uh, we traded about 13 to 14 times, about 13 and a half times. In the bottom, March 23rd of 2000, we traded about 13 times. So that is would be the bottom uh, historically that we've seen in the last several decades, trading about 18 times. So that could come back predicated on what these big tech stocks do. Switching gears just a little bit. I am seeing headline after headline after headline. GM is going to introduce an all-electric Cadillac Escalade. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ford, just uh, as we record this a couple of minutes ago, has laid out its plans to ramp up electric vehicles. The market does not seem to exist for electric vehicles. No, it's it not yet, but there's no question that it's headed our way. The question, of course, is how are you going to power all of these cars? And that right. is, I mean, that's that's the big question. So if you're going to plug them in, what is that going to mean to electrical demand? We'll, we saw uh, last summer, Wisconsin Energy, uh, where we're recording the show, uh, asked a lot of folks to, to do some things to, so there wouldn't be these brownouts. And so that does exist, and that is before all of these cars come online. And, you know, where are you going to get it? Are you use cobalt you know where are the natural resources to create these batteries then you hear a lot of these manufacturers are looking for an alternative so number one how are you going to build the batteries number two how are you going to power these batteries that still has not been answered to the market's desire when do you think and i know you're not a car expert but you are really good at, at reading markets obviously when do you think we we get to a point I don't want to say of no return, but when EVs dominate the market, because De we decades, went from decades. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. that's the thing that I get. We went from it's kind of hilarious. Do you remember the documentary? This was probably 20 years ago, maybe 15. Who killed the electric car? Yeah. You remember that yeah. when when mm -hmm. oh my goodness it was like this this thing that the automakers were conspiring to, uh, you know, with the with the oil companies to right. keep electric vehicles off the market. And then we see the second, like Lazarus, uh, Elon Musk raises the electric vehicle from the dead after Ford and GM and Chrysler killed it, right? We see every single one of these companies rushing to make their own EVs and to get in on this market. It is just hilarious how market forces really dictate behavior. But what seems sort of odd to me, Dave, is that Companies are, they don't seem to be reading the market. And, and one thing I did see, this is maybe a week ago or so, Musk was dropping prices mm -hmm. on his EVs. And a whole lot of analysts think that the reason for this is that he's actually turning a profit with Tesla, whereas the other electric vehicle divisions of the big uh 
car companies whose uh, you know domestic car company their their fortunes have obviously been uh, precipitously declining over the past couple of decades as foreign automakers eat in significantly to their market share. The thinking is that he's trying to essentially bankrupt them by continuing his dominance of the electric vehicle market and forcing them to produce cars at higher cost and then sell them at lower cost to a public that doesn't seem to want EVs that are not named Tesla just yet. Yeah, but, but it's coming. I mean, I think there's a number of these manufacturers who have the infrastructure take GM or BMW or a number of companies, VW, who have infrastructure. But I think people should think about this in not in binary terms. Is it combustion or is it battery? Think about energy distribution in this country. Is it oil or is it electricity? Think about it in many other terms. It's not black and white. Most times, sure, sure. Most times, 10 per, think about it as a continuum. 10% is black, 10% is white on the other tail. 80% of it is gray. And that means bringing other sources like natural gas, be it solar, be it wind. That delivery is really the answer. There is not this binary terms. And I think you can apply it even to politics today. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who live on the far left or the far right when the rest of, of America is maybe in the middle on the gray area. That applies to economics and to politics. Let me ask you, when will you buy an EV? <sighs> I don't have one now. I do like my my combustion engine, but I will tell you, if you go to the dealerships, there are uh, they're hybrids, and there are hybrids yeah. that are compelling right now. And again, that's part of the answer. Maybe it's not all one or all the other, but maybe there's a hybrid source. Uh, and and I think you're going to start seeing that. I do know that I have, uh, you know, I see at the local grocery stores or whatever. I talked about BMW. I've seen BMWs on the road now that are hybrids, and they have the infrastructure to deliver. So it, I do think you're going to see it. And I have friends who are, you know, if you want to make it into a political argument, who are as far right as right can get, who are buying mm -hmm. hybrid vehicles. So so I don't well, think you can make it political. Well, I'm as far right as right gets. I had a hybrid vehicle 10 years ago. There you go. Camry hybrid, because they were practically given away. They gave me the hybrid for the same price as a right. regular, because this was back when they were so desperate to sell cars that I apparently was the only person that week that showed up at the dealership. Hey, can, looking we, can I, can yeah, I talk ahead. about it? Can I throw you under the bus? Uh, no, I better not. I better not. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you that I was at a car dealership, and that's all I'll say. And yeah. the, the dealership came up to me, and they said, "Dave Swano, did you know Dan O'Donnell, <laughs> the Dan O'Donnell, was in our dealership the other day?" So I did. Have you ever met him? <laughs> Do oh you my, know yeah. that man? Do you know him? Could you give uh, me no, an that's... autograph? Is what they actually said. <laughs> no, that was I was I was in there uh, on some business, and yeah, it was a really really fun time. I got to say, you know, I am I am so grateful to have so many great listeners. You and I actually just had an event awesome. uh, as we record this a few days ago where we were talking to listeners and basically just did this podcast uh, to a group of people, about 50, 75 people, small little audience at New Berlin Hills Country Club is a great host. Uh, and I just, I, I so love meeting people in the community and just saying hi, talking about the issues that, you know, impact all of us. I think a lot of people were surprised, Dave, and maybe we should uh, sort of out ourselves on this podcast about, you know, people say, well, do, you know, do you do all sorts of research or all this? No, we, we do literally Zero. The, the spontaneous <laughs> conversation, like whatever pops into my mind is what I'm asking you, which is why I just happen to be on CNBC.com and I saw an article literally pop up as the page refreshed uh, about EVs. 
Mm. And I said, you know what? This is this is actually interesting. I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while because this is another thing. It's sort of like this recession that has been predicted forever, but it doesn't seem to come. Now, I do believe we're looking at a recession. Yeah, it is slowing down. There's no question things are slowing down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But the, the EV revolution it is sort of something that really since the rise of Tesla four or five years ago, when Tesla just kind of came out of nowhere, people say, oh, my gosh, by 2025, everybody's going to be driving an EV. Well, yeah. not quite. Nope. You know, so it just it's interesting to, to think about, like, when are we going to have to rethink not just investing in the auto sector, but the type of cars we drive, because a number of these automakers are saying, we are going to be at some point in the future all electric. You will not be able to buy a combustion engine. Now, of course, the right winger in me says, oh, well, okay, they're, they're you know, trying to be woke and, you know, climate change and so forth, not realizing, of course, that it's probably worse for the environment in the long run yep. to have, uh, you know, these, 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 batteries yeah. that you know you can't recycle right okay, i mean so and then just, just think the about ground. think about the environment think about where you're getting cobalt from and how that goes down i mean this is not just a political argument or an environmental argument there's a moral issue to it as well yeah there's a humanitarian argument because let's just say cobalt mining in uganda and the congo is not nearly as shall we say safe or well regulated as it might be uh in other parts of the world but that's just that you know that's one sort Sort of element of this also i mean how many fossil fuels do you think it gets to power a suddenly massively overtaxed power grid and i think dave that you you hit it on the head that's going to be the thing that we need to figure out as we're struggling we head into the summer months i mean how yep. many years decades california the ev capital of the world has been struggling with rolling blackouts and brownouts yep. there's no question that's coming and then you see the flip side of course there has certainly been a war on uh, the energy sector, especially oil, you know, now trading at, you know, five, six, seven times forward earnings. Is that an opportunity? And will a change in administration allow us to do to you know do more drilling, to allow that sector to come back? Natural gas, for example, we have so much natural gas in this country. So there is an opportunity set, and that's the reason why you need to go through and understand, and not just what you own and why you own it, but yeah. is it part of your financial plan? And when can you retire? And will you be able to see through the uh, upcoming slowdown and get to the other side. That is a really important perspective. Basically, it's all about having a strategy, having a guide, having someone there to sort of hold your hand to be, you know, whacking with the machete down the brush that might be in your way so you can find Dr. Livingston, I presume. And that was a reference that probably nobody listens to this, <laughs> listening to this it's, understands, but I did and it good. amused me. That's, that's the most important part. Exactly. That I am amused and I always am talking with my good buddy, Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Reminder, head to AnnexWealth.com. Dan O'Donnell saying thanks so much for listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex 
Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of this podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or recommendation, or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments include risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast. 